Hey everybody and welcome back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. It is so great to be with you. My name is Lena Abajamra. I am the host of this podcast and I run a ministry called Living with Power Ministries. If you've been here before, you know all these things. And if you haven't, I'll uh, fill you in here. You can find out about our ministry at livingwithpower.org. Our vision is to bring hope to the world and we do it by bringing biblical truth for everyday life. That's what the goal of this podcast is. We have done a lot of fun things in the podcast. Uh, we have uh, interviewed uh, people. We've done that. It's been a while since we've done that, and that's okay. I've had a co-host for a while, my sister Diana. That was our most recent thing we've been off for the summer. Sometimes we run messages that I've spoken before, that I've taught before. Uh, but my most popular thing that I do here that people have enjoyed is the Dear Lena episodes, which is basically a series of conversations that I've put together and answered to your questions. And so we are going to do a series now called Dear Lena. Um, specifically, I've called it the Bread and Butter series. And so if you're wondering about it, you know, what in the world is that? Well, why bread and butter? Well, because uh, I'm going to address topics that are the bread and butter of Christianity. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're living in a very post-Christian world. And so uh, Dear Lena started with this notion of, hey, as we are living through a post-Christian, post-everything world, how, how do we come to grips with what the Bible teaches? How do we live out our faith? And so uh, the goal of the Dear Lena series has always been to help us navigate life and culture. And so we talk about everything about faith, life, and culture. And if you have questions about those things, send them to us. Well, over the course of the past few months, there's been a growing list of questions that are so basic to Christianity that uh, in some ways we should know them, but because we're a week in discipleship in 2022, the year that we're recording this, um, I think it's important to revisit some of those topics. So I am looking forward to this series. I've got 10 podcasts that I'm going to be um, doing on the on these topics that I've called bread and butter uh, topics. And so um, I hope you're going to enjoy them. I hope you share them with your friends. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, do it. If you haven't left a review, please do it. The more reviews there are, the more likes there are, the more people see the podcast. Hopefully, the more lives will be changed. Ultimately, we don't care about massive change. We care about in-depth and individual change. And so if you're changing, we consider our mission accomplished. And if you're encouraged, even better. And so today, our first episode in the Bread and Butter series is this. Uh, I'll start with a question, and then I'm going to give you, as I always do with the Dear Lena episodes, three bullet points, and uh, each one is supposed to sort of weave, you know, break down the topic. I, I, I like to think in bullet points. Uh, if anything, uh, that is consistent with my training. I am a pediatric ER doctor by training. I practiced in the ER for about 18 years until I switched to telehealth, but I still very much think in organized bullet points. And so you will see that come out in a lot of my teaching. I hope that you like that style. Uh, I think it's organized, but uh, be that as it may, that's what we're going to be doing. And so today's Dear Lena question is this. Dear Lena, how can I tell if I'm really saved? How can I tell if I'm really saved? That is such a basic and critically important question for us to answer in this era. This is not important globally, but this is important individually. So if you're that person, you've wondered, how do I know? How can I Maybe you're living a, a season in your life where, for whatever reason, there's been doubts. Maybe you're wrestling with whether your life is consistent with what it looks like to be a Christian. Uh, maybe you're not sure. You just don't know what it means to be a Christian. We're going to answer all those things in this Dear Lena episode. And so here's the first bullet point uh, that's going to frame our discussion. Number one is this. It's not uncommon to question your salvation if you haven't had a clear moment where you gave your life to Jesus. In order to know if it happened, you have to know that it happened, I guess is another way of saying it. It's not uncommon to question your salvation if you haven't had a clear moment where you gave your life to Jesus. So really what I'm hitting at here is that we need to know what it means to be saved. 
because that is not something that you are born into. That is not something that happens by osmosis. Uh, you know, uh, the old saying was that uh, you don't become a car just by sitting in a garage in the same way you don't become a Christian just by sitting in a church. And yet many people think that that's what makes them a Christian is that you're born in a Christian home. Uh, you can be born in a Christian uh, home as much as you can be born in a Muslim home or a Hindu home. Uh, it doesn't make you that thing. It just puts you in a place where you're exposed to those teachings. And so you might have, you might be more privy to what it means to be a Christian if you're born in a Christian home, but that doesn't mean that you are automatically a Christian. And so uh, let's talk about what it means to be a Christian. Um, some verses that I think will help build that case, uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. This is, these are bread and butter verses about salvation. Uh, uh, Paul writes, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Uh, that is an immensely important verse to keep in mind. One of my other favorite verses as it pertains to salvation is in John chapter 1, uh, verse 12. Uh, verse 11 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so this is, John 1 is the gospel written by John about Jesus. And he, he's basically saying like, Jesus was born to the Jewish people, but they did not all embrace him. In fact, they were the ones, we all crucified Jesus because of our sin, but they were the ones who, who were living in a place where they were the ones who sent him to the cross. And all that means is that you're not automatically a follower of Jesus just because you're born in the same country that he was born in. And again, where you're born in a Christian home doesn't automatically make you uh, a follower of Jesus. And so um, in Acts, Peter preached the sermon at Pentecost and he told what the gospel message is that Christ died for our sins to save us of our sins. And, and at the end of that message, the people were convicted and they said, um, uh, they said, what should, shall we do? Uh, they said to Peter in, in Acts chapter two, verse three, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, I don't believe you need to be baptized in order to get saved. That's another discussion, maybe another dear Lena, but he clearly uh, indicates this need to repent, to have a point of turning. And so coming back to how can I tell if I'm really saved? Well, it's not uncommon to question your salvation if you have not had a clear moment where you gave your life to Jesus. So whether you were born in a Christian home or not, there has to come a point in your life where you must have said, God, Jesus, I ask you to save me of my sins. Now, it's not your asking that saves you. It is the fact that Christ died for you on the cross that saves you, but you're praying that prayer. I guess if you, you know, people talk about, you know, the Billy Graham Crusades where people filled out a card, walked down. The action isn't what saves us, but it is a response to what God has already done to save us through the death of Jesus on the cross. And so, yeah, the problem can sometimes arise if, is if you don't remember the time and the place. And so a lot of people who were born in a Christian home who started going to Sunday school and to church at a very young age might have made a profession of salvation when they were as little as three. My nephew Sam made a profession of salvation when he was about three years old. Now, it would be normal to question that at, at, at a later point in life because he might not remember that point. I remember vaguely being a child and my mother sharing with us the devotional that she would share in the part of our house where she would do that. And I would, went to bed that night and I realized that I needed Jesus. I asked him alone. I said, God, I believe that. Will you save me? Will you be my savior? And I remember for days after that, every night I would say the same thing. God, will you breathe into my heart and save me? And, and one day on a fluke, my mom, I said to my mom, I think I'm asking Jesus to be my savior or something to that effect. And she explained to me that it is not something that you need to do all the time, but that God hears you the first time and you can rest in the knowledge that he has... Uh, 
um, given you the right to be called his child, his, his son or his daughter. And now, now that was, I was young. I don't remember the exact date on a calendar, but just because I don't have a birth certificate in my hand doesn't mean I don't know that I'm born. So the moment, so, so your struggle, I guess what I'm saying is your struggle to know whether you're saved might be from the fact that you just don't remember the details. You know, you did it. Maybe you're not sure exactly how or when, maybe you were too young, but you know you're saved, but, you, but maybe that's the source of your doubt. Uh, now, I like to think that our present posture is proof or our present posture is better proof than our past memories. So, I, by the way, I don't take credit for that sentence. J.D. Greer put that somewhere and I ran across it and I like it. Your present posture is better proof than your past memory. So if you're a person who says, well, I don't remember in the past what, whether I gave my life to Jesus. Well, question is, where's your posture now? And so I remember even as an older teenager going to camp and wrestling again, now I really say it because I couldn't remember the exact moment as a child. And, 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 and I remember my sister or somebody, maybe the camp counselor, whoever it was, was, who said, you can, you can trust them now, put an end to it and move on. Like turn the page. Like, like if you're not sure, make sure. Here, here's a great encouraging verse. And maybe you're we're biting at the, at the chomps to, for me to say that. Is that the, the expression, by the way? I'm originally Lebanese, so occasionally I mess up the expression. Chomping at the bits, I think, is what I was meant to say. But Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 are probably some of the strongest verses to give you encouragement about whether you know you're saved. Well, here's what the Bible teaches in Romans 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So God's given us the guidelines. He says, if you confess with your heart that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord is a big confession, mind you. You're not just saying Jesus is like, yeah, ruler of everything. You're saying, man, I submit to his lordship in my life. I don't differentiate between salvation and lordship of Christ. People sometimes go, well, you can be saved, but have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? In order to be saved, you have to acknowledge him as the Lord of your life. They're one and the same. Now, there are seasons where you're more obedient than others. You might be walking in rebellion right now. That's a different story. But do you believe that Jesus is Lord of your life, of the world, of everything? And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? That's the whole premise of salvation. Is that not just that Christ died for us, but he was raised from the dead and overcame death and overcame sin and overcame the evil ones so that because of that, he was able to enter into the presence of God perfect, having paid the price for our sins and in doing so offers us salvation. The Bible, I think in one of the Timothys says that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's no other way. There's no Buddha. There's no Muslim leader. There's no Jehovah's Witness leader. There's there's no, there's no one, there's no favorite prophet, favorite monk, favorite sister in the Catholic church. There is no one. There's not the mother of Jesus. There's just Jesus, who is the only mediator between God and man who can offer us salvation because he perfectly died for our sins. And so it's not uncommon to question your salvation if you haven't had a clear moment where you gave your life to Jesus. Question for you. Have you had that moment? And if not, you can still have that moment today. Here's this again. The moment doesn't save you. How is your posture today? Are you living as if the Lord is the Lord of your life? And if, if you need that present assurance, ask him to be your savior once and for all and move on. Here's a second idea. It's not unusual to question your salvation if your life after receiving Jesus has not changed at all and if you're consistently choosing sin over God. Entire premise of salvation is that you've changed. Repentance means to be changed, to change, to change minds about what you think is salvation, to change 
uh, who you're bowing to. You're no longer bowing to the king of me, myself, and I. Now I'm bowing to the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. And so in order to, the whole premise of salvation is that you are no longer your own. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 probably is the bread and butter verse on that. Uh, speaking of bread and butter, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right. So you are no longer your own. And so one of the reasons why you might be questioning your salvation might be that you're not changing. You haven't changed it forever. You still love sin. You love sin. You love sin. Next episode, we're going to talk about that. Come back in the next one. Salvation leads to transformation. Uh, one of the first Bible verses I ever memorized was in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I memorized it in the Old King James Version. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So listen, listen. Salvation leads to transformation. If you're not changing, that doesn't mean you're not saved. You might be living in sin. You might not be uh, under the conviction of the... The preaching of the word of God and the, the work of the spirit in your life, it might just be a matter of maybe you've grown numb to those things. Maybe you need a wake-up call to the fact that you need to change. Or maybe you are walking in active rebellion. Regardless, it's not unusual for you to question your salvation if after receiving Jesus, you have not seen any change in your life and you still love sin. So if you are choosing consistently, persistently sin over Christ, you have to wonder, am I really saved? All right? Christ changes everything about us. He transforms us. We no longer want sin. We hate sin. We run away from sin. We want holiness. And, and if you are persisting in a pattern of sin, there has to be some sense of guilt, some sense of shame. That is a gift because God is putting that over you in order to remind you that that is not, we're not meant to live in darkness. The, the book of 1 John is such a great book for you to read and meditate over. But he says like you can't live in darkness and stay, you're, you're in the light. Like it's either or, right? And he he, he gives you the weight out of it. He says, you, you just confess your sins. He says in 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse um, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Now, granted, we're all sinners, right? So, so he goes on to write, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Now, here's the solution. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These verses were written to believers, to members of the church, the body of Christ. And they're a reminder that he doesn't, God doesn't ask us to be perfect, but there has to be a hatred of sin and an allegiance and a love and a fulfillment of with Christ in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. And so if you're not it, it, hating sin with some measure of consistency in your life, yeah, you're going to question whether you're saved. Salvation leads to fruit. Salvation is about yielding everything to Jesus. It is about dying to self and saying no to sin. Romans chapter 6 is a great verse on that. Romans chapter 7 is a great verse on, a chapter on that. Read those passages if you weren't sure where to go. Those are great. The New Testament is a great place for you to live in, but the writings that I've been going over now, Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, Romans chapter 6 and 7, those are essential bread and butter chapters for you if you struggle consistently with sin and do not see change in your Christian life. All right, here's a third. How can I tell if I'm really saved? Number one, have you had a clear moment where you gave your life to Jesus? Number two, are you changing over time? Here's number three. It's not uncommon to question your salvation if you're basing your salvation on your feelings. We cannot 
decide, determine whether we're safe based on our feelings. 99% of my days, I feel bad about everything. It's just how I'm wired. I tend to be melancholy. I tend to be sort of a cup half empty. God is changing that in me, but I will never be as joyful as some of the other Christians around me. I have joy, but I'll never be that giddy. Everything is great. I'm just always going to be like, it's going to rain. It's going to rain on me. And so I cannot base my, my faith on my feelings. I cannot base my future on my feelings. I cannot base the security of my salvation on my feelings. God's promises are greater than my feelings. I love a couple of verses here to encourage you I have written down let me see one of them was 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 oh I love this verse okay this is a reminder of the truth uh, Paul writes I am not ashamed, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me God is able to guard your salvation another amazing promise is in Jude uh, I think Jude only has one chapter. It's, I, I wrote chapter one, but really it's only one chapter. But Jude verse 24 says, this is an amazing verse also to remind us that our salvation doesn't hinge on me feeling saved. It hinges on God's faithfulness. This is not to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forever. Listen, God's job is to keep you saved. This is not our job. Ours is to live in obedience because that's where we find freedom and joy but it is his job to keep us saved uh, god's promises are greater than my feelings uh, god's promises are lasting where my feelings are fleeting and god's promises are linked to god's character whereas my feelings are always influenced by my circumstances inevitably you will feel more saved if you're living in obedience and you will fear more feel more saved when things are smooth in your life but that is man think about that if it, it, when it comes to like easy circumstances Paul the Apostle would have never felt saved if he was basing his salvation on his circumstances. I jotted down one more verse. Let me look it up and see. I usually write them down because they mean something to me. 1 John 5, 12 and 13, I, I wrote uh, the verses there are what? Um, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Those are verses 11 and 12 of 1 John chapter 5. Listen, uh, the job of your salvation hinges on God. Uh, if you feel like you've blown it, listen, be encouraged. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, uh, the Bible reminds us that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself. That is who he is. He's faithful to the end. And so do you know you're saved? Uh, can you tell? Uh, how can I tell if I'm really saved? Well, are you changing? Have you had a time when you've received Jesus? And uh, um, are you willing to say no to your feelings and to hinge all of your the force of your faith on the word of God and his character. Uh, it, listen, there is no reason for you, follower of Jesus Christ, to stay in a place of doubt. While doubt may come, it came to the best of them. Thomas, the disciples, struggled with doubt. Uh, God has died in order and risen again in order to give us the freedom of belief and of stability. So I'm gonna pray for you if that's you. In fact, let me end with prayer and then I'll uh, remind you where you can get more information about our ministry. God, please. I pray for those who have not given their life to you who are listening to my voice right now. Would you please unveil the eyes of their hearts that they would see you as the only true savior in this world. Father, I pray for those who know you that you give us the assurance that you will never leave us nor forsake us and that our salvation is secure, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done and who you are. Thank you for the way that you're working at us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey guys, if you want more about our ministry, check out livingwithpower.org. 
Uh, if you'd like to email me questions that you would like answered, send your questions to dearlena at livingwithpower.org. We'll be back together next week again, every Thursday here in the fall. Hey, if you haven't joined our Facebook community, I teach live. We're going through a study of Hebrews now. Love for you to join us. Just go to livingwithpower.org, top of the page on the right. It says join our community. Click on it. It'll walk you through what you need to do to be part of that community. Really, in essence, nothing. We just welcome you with open arms and look forward to meeting you in person someday. So I'll see you again next week. Have a great week.